hey man, <laughs> or, or lady, um, I'm coming to you from the living room, and um, in all of the awkwardness and normalness of that. Um, so here I'm standing next to a fireplace with a guitar, and um, somehow we're gathering as Livingstone Church right now, even though we're not, but we are, and even though Paul writes, you know, I can't be there, but I'm with you in spirit, and so... Um, <coughs> welcome to our gathering here. There are some people with me. I'm not just alone in the living room. Um, and so, uh, as we uh, take the chance this weekend to try to be the church in the midst of uh, this weirdness, um, we're just going to start off by singing to God. Um, and so, at any point, what's what's really interesting is that you could pause this if you felt like. You just needed to have a moment um, to pray or, uh, I don't know, what you would need to pause it for. But uh, I hope that you're, you're not doing this alone. I hope that you're not at least feeling alone in this. Um, so if anything, we're here with you. Uh, and you'll, and you'll, hear, you'll hear us all sing. Um, we're doing our best to stay spread out <laughs> from each other because um, that's a real deal. Um, so would you pray with me, and we'll lift our hearts and song with voices to praise the name that's worthy of our praise. Jesus, thank you that you are the Lord of all, that you are the King of kings, that you are trustworthy. Um, I can almost hear your voice when you showed up in the room, and all your followers were terrified. You said, have peace. Don't be afraid. Jesus, I pray for your peace to invade our lives right now. And somehow, through that, that your peace could be coming through us to the rest of this world. And all anxieties that are uh, coming from every direction right now. Lord Jesus, you bring peace not as the world can. And we pray that it will be real by your Holy Spirit indwelling all who believe in you. Thanks so much that it's true that you didn't leave us as orphans when you came to make us your temple. It's a mystery and we are in awe of that truth and we worship you for how big you are and somehow sort of small in us. It is beautiful and wonderful. So it, because of who you are and what you've done, we praise your name. We lift our hearts and our voices in song to you. Amen. <clears throat> okay, let's sing um, that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. Okay. I'm going to sing as loud as I can. It's just words of Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand, all other ground. Is sinking sand. 
Today's sermon is going to be on Revelations 4. The throne in heaven. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the forced voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what makes this takes place after this. At once I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Cornelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones. And seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the thrones, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. 
the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. <clears throat> and the fourth living creature, each of them with six wings and full of eyes, all around and within. A day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. <clears throat> they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Amen. Revelation 4. Well, hello. Greetings from our my living room, and we are so glad to have you joining us. Um, I really appreciate what Glenn said um, as we gather in a lot of different ways and a lot of different places. Um, I miss you. I miss you already. Um, the thought of preaching and not seeing your faces and seeing your reactions and your quizzical looks sometimes that help me understand that I'm supposed to explain something further. Or, or certain looks like, uh-oh, I've messed up and I need to re go back and re-look re re uh, re at what I said. Um, but uh, I do miss you. Um, you know, it really struck me this week. Um, I was in Safeway talking with someone uh, who's battling cancer right now. And I'm so used to shaking people's hands. And I'm so used to reaching out and touching somebody or, or hugging somebody. And in that moment, I kind of had this thought of like, oh, I don't care. This is just what I do. And I shook his hand. And, and I walked away from that moment. And I'm feeling like, you know, the problem with this virus thing is, is that we can be carriers for like 14 days and not even know it. And it really touched my heart, and that, or gripped my heart, actually, I should say, that I need to be thinking more thoughtfully during these days. And I know some people are thinking that this is a hoax or this is... People are overreacting, like, we should be gathering tomorrow. But brothers and sisters, we really truly desire to care for one another. And if you speak to people who are in Italy, if you speak to people in Spain, in China, in these different places that have been really heavy hit, even Robbie Zacharias being in Italy has spoken out about just how devastating this has been. Brothers and sisters, really, we need to be in prayer. We need to be caring for each other well and thinking of each other during this time. And not maybe necessarily getting into the political side of it, but more into the personal relationship side where we care for each other well in these moments. So I'm, I think we just need to pause right now, pray for our state, pray for our nation, and pray for this world. Father God, um, this is unprecedented. In my lifetime, my parents' lifetime, their parents' lifetime, that we're seeing schools shut down for six weeks, whole states shutting schools down. 
We see healthcare systems in Spain and Italy just overrun. Thousands are dead from this virus. And Lord God, in a lot of places, people are panicking and living in great fear. We thank you, Lord God, for we know that you are the great I am. You are the great physician and you are the great healer. And Lord God, we know that you wouldn't have allowed this to be brought upon this world if it were not going to bring glory to you and that the gospel may go forth during this time. And so I pray your believers would stand and not be afraid, that they would love others well, that we would provide for others' needs during these times. Lord God, and that we might be carriers of the gospel and that as people have questions about eternity during these days, as they watch their neighbors, friends, loved ones, dying or very ill around them. Lord God, that they would speak the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, and may Revelation 4 encourage that boldness within us. We're desperately in need of Revelation 4, for this world is decaying. This world is not getting better. And Lord God, we ache and we yearn for the coming of the King to celebrate Him in His throne room where there will be no more sickness, no more dying, no more sorrow. Lord, teach us from Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, this passage <clears throat> begins, we're looking at Revelation 4, we're going to cover the whole chapter of Revelation today. I, I was going to break it up, but it's just too well knit together to, um, to break up, and so we're going to look at this whole section together. We begin here by looking at this, and this first section is, is a call to know Jesus. John is, is being spoken to by Jesus here, and it says, says in verse 1, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in the heavens. And the first voice which I had heard like a trumpet was speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit. John is being called, not in bodily form, but in, in, in spirit, and, and to come up to the heavens and to, to bear witness to what he is going to see. Now, now, John's going to see things that he can't explain. He's going to see things that he's going to use the best language that he possibly can, the best language that he knows to explain what he's going to see, and language is going to fail him. Why? Because our fallen language, the language of mankind, cannot explain the divine. It cannot fully explain the perfect, almighty God. And so we're going to see things in this text that John's going to use the best possible language he can to describe that we're not going to fully be able to understand. And I hope that we can adopt a Hebrew mindset here. Because a Hebrew mindset is a little bit different than the Greek mindset. The Greek mindset is, is often what most of us have, where we like to definitively define things. We like to know the exact meaning of things. Where the Hebrew mindset is, 
is more along the lines like if they can't fully grasp it, fully explain it, instead of getting frustrated and giving up on it, they actually turn in awe and worship God. And so I desire us to worship God as we study these things. So we see this door standing open in the heavens. And in the first voice which I heard, like a trumpet to me was saying, and this voice is Jesus, and he's telling John to come up here, and he's going to show him what must take place after this. <clears throat> no, no, what, what must take place before this, in order for this door to be opened? Well, we see that there was this instruction to the seven churches, that the messengers of these seven churches must take the message to the seven churches, and after the message has been given to them, and has been received, then these things can take place. Isaiah 22, 22, And I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. And when he opens the door, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes the doors, no one will be able to open them. God has opened the door of heaven to John, so that we might behold the gloriousness of God. The next thing we read about here is continuing on. And I, and I want to pause here for a minute. Sometimes... The folks want to read in a specific theology regarding Revelation. Um, we talked about this when we started the series. Um, this is not proof of the rapture here. This is not the church being spoken of here. This is John in spirit being called up to heaven to reveal the truth of Jesus Christ. Immediately, he was in the spirit. And, and I believe when it says he was in the spirit, I believe... This is the capital S. This is the Holy Spirit. This is God. God is literally, the Holy Spirit is literally transporting by a miraculous event, John into the heavens in the Spirit. And it says here, and continuing in verse 2, And behold, a throne stood in heaven, and someone sitting upon the throne and the one sitting upon the throne had the appearance of Jasper and Cornelian. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to kind of work our way through this slowly. John is being called up in, and if you've ever seen a movie, a really dramatic movie like Saving Private Ryan, or another movie where, where there's so much action taking place that the creator of the movie wants you to, to really pay attention to look intently at what is taking place, that they almost cut out the sound. And you perceive the event taking place, and there's so much going on, and action and action, and you're supposed to look and look and look and look. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the senses become less overwhelmed, and then the sound kicks in. It's kind of like what's taking place here. John doesn't start off by mentioning what he hears. He starts off by mentioning what he sees. And it's very interesting, he's almost ambiguous about the one who's seated upon the throne. He doesn't say the lamb, he doesn't say the lion, he doesn't say Jesus. He says, someone is seated upon the throne. And it's almost intentional, it seems to intensify or heighten the desire to know the one who's seated upon the throne. And he's described as one having the appearance of Jasper and Cornelian. Beautiful translucent stones when highly polished, giving off red hues, clear hues, shining forth from the throne. 
But what's very interesting about these stones, if you look in the Old Testament, we see these stones are mentioned in the breastplate that the high priest would have wore when he, when he went into the Holy of Holies. And there were 12 stones on the breastplate, four rows of three stones. The first stone on that breastplate was jasper. The last stone on the breastplate was cornelian. It's as if to say that the one seated upon the throne is the perfect high priest representing all the tribes and the nations of Israel. But not just the tribes and the nation of Israel, but all those who call upon the Lord as God. This one who was seated upon the throne is the full fulfillment of the promises made to the tribes of Israel. He is the, the promise to Abraham, the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, that through Abraham's seed would come one that all the nations of the world would be blessed, sits upon the throne. It also talks about this rainbow. And a rainbow like emerald encircled the throne. Now it's very interesting because emerald would have been also in the breastplate of the high priest. The emerald represented the tribe of Judah. Jesus, the one upon the throne, is from the tribe of Judah. He is the fulfillment of the promise made to the tribe of Judah. The lion of Judah. He is the promise of the one who was made to David that there would be upon David's and David's lineage a king that would sit upon the throne whose kingdom would never end. This one sits upon the throne. It's fascinating as you sit there and you contemplate and you think about all the power and the fulfillment of the one who is seated upon the throne in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of Genesis. Because what's very interesting, there is an also a mention in the Old Testament about someone else who had these stone-like appearances on it. It's found in Ezekiel. And it's said of the serpent that Satan indwelt. He had a body that had a jasper-like stone, a cornelian-like stone, an emerald stone on it. In Genesis, God speaks, tells Adam and Eve that there will come one that will crush the head of the serpent the one that wants to be God that isn't, the one who wants to appear as God but is not, the one who wants to steal the glory of God. Jesus, the one seated upon the throne, will be the one that will crush the head of the serpent. The one who sits on the throne is the fulfillment of the promises made in Genesis, the promises made in Exodus, the promises made in Leviticus, the promises made in Deuteronomy, the promises made in Judges and Numbers. Every book of the Bible is fulfilled in the one who is seated upon the throne. And we discover this 
in the book of Revelation. And so we understand when we get towards the end of Revelation, it will say that this book needs to be read. This book needs to be taught. Why? Because you can't understand that all of the books of the Bible were fulfilled in Jesus unless you go and read Revelation. This is the one seated upon the throne. And around the throne were 24 thrones and were 24 elders seated clothed in white garments and upon their heads were golden crowns. We want to make a really big deal about the identity of those 24 elders. I'm going to help you out with that. We don't know who they are. We can speculate that they're from the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel and that they're the 12 apostles from the New Testament. But we don't know for sure. But what's very interesting that as we look at these 24 elders, that it's not it doesn't seem to be about the 24 elders. Otherwise, John would have identified who they were. But rather, this is the book of Revelation. And before you think that you want to identify a certain thing, you've got to take a step back and go, wait a minute, there's a greater meaning and understanding taking place. I think what we see represented in those 24 thrones and those 24 elders is a representative of all the Old Testament believers. All those who believed in the coming of the Messiah and they look forward to the promise of God. And I think that we also see all the New Testament believers that believed in Jesus Christ and followed him faithfully. And we see not just 24 elders and 24 thrones, but surrounding the throne of God is all the peoples that have ever believed in Jesus Christ and that are clothed in white garments because they have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ and they're crowned with glory and honor as it says in Psalm 8. Around the throne is depicted all those who have ever believed in Jesus Christ. And it's not angels, and I'll argue against angels, because never in Scripture do we see angels clothed in a white garment, nor do we see them having crowns upon their heads. These are saints. These are believers in Jesus Christ who have surrounded the throne, represented by these 24 thrones, these 24, these 24 elders. And from the throne came out flashes, flashes of lightning and sounds and thunder. Now the sound seems to kick in a little bit. Out from the throne is flashes of lightning. And then there's this general word for sounds. And maybe some of your texts say voices. There is a great cacophony, a loud sound that is coming out that isn't thunder because the thunder comes next. And this seems to remind us of the vision of Mount Sinai. When God came down on the Mount Sinai to give the law to Moses. And we see all this, also this mentioned in Hebrews chapter 12. That this is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus Christ and his throne is righteous judgment, is holiness, and is pure power and might. And there are seven torches of fire that burn before the throne. 
These are different than the seven lampstands that we read about earlier in Revelation 1. The lampstand is a different word than they use, what's used here for torch. And they burned before the throne. Now, we can sit there and argue and speculate, what are they? Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this the seven spirits that are going to be sent out? We can try to understand, is this from Isaiah when it talks about the seven different spirits of God? Again, guess what? We don't know. And it's okay that we don't know. But what we see before the throne of God is seven torches burning brightly. This idea, this understanding, this number seven being perfect, and this torch as being the perfect light. The perfect revelation of God sits on the throne and before him is the perfect light being displayed. And before the throne was like a sea of glass, like crystal. There, people have speculated what this, this sea of glass Represented, there's, there's this idea that it refers to the laver in the temple found in 1 Kings 7.23. Others it is, believe it is related to the concept of the great crystal sea found in the Exodus 24, 9 and 10. For others, they believe it is part of the portable, portable throne chariot of God in Ezekiel 1, 22 and 26 and 10, 1. And for others, believe it is a symbol of separation from the holiness of God as we look at Revelation 15, 2. Why is there a sea of glass before the throne? Is it so that from the, the throne of God, that Jesus has perfect perspective in looking down upon earth? We don't know. But to think about before the throne of God, this perfect, <coughs> transparent, see-through sea, which the, sea, the way this is depicted is not a sea that is, that it is, that is rocking and rolling, but is actually perfect and calm, and crystal clear. And in the middle of the throne, and around the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in the front and in the back. And the first living creature was like a lion, and the second living creature like a bull, and the third living creature having the face like a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle, in flight. I don't know about you, but when I think about these creatures, I think that that would be a pretty terrifying picture. <clears throat> There's an ancient rabbinical saying regarding the animals and the things that are depicted here. And it says, that they, it says this, the mightiest among the birds is the eagle. The mightiest among the domestic animals is the bull. The mightiest among the wild beasts is the lion. The mightiest of all, among all, is man. That in the depiction of these four creatures that are surrounding the throne, we have all created things identified and signified, and that these creatures had wings, like an angelic being would have wings. 
And then you've got these four animals, and then you've got the face of a man. And it seems to point to that all things that were ever made, angels and man alike, were created with one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is the glory and the worship of God. And we see this as we move forward into this incredible song that emanates from these creatures. It says here, And the four living creatures, each of them having six wings all around, and within our full of eyes, and never stop, day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Mm -hmm. These three, these four creatures, praising, glorifying God. You've got to understand that all of creation was made for the glory of God. Scriptures tell us that if we remain silent, the rocks will even cry out. Creation was made for the glory and the worship of God. The song that they sing correctly identifies the one seated upon the throne. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh. He is I Am. He is, the one, he is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who will come. He is God. He is Elohim. The second most used name for God in the Old Testament, Elohim. And, and, and he is almighty. He is El Shaddai. Animals cry out. He is holy. Holy, holy, three times. As if to say to each person of the Trinity, holy, holy, holy. Is the triune God who was, who is, and who will come. He's Elohim, he's El Shaddai. Very interesting, this word almighty is used only of God in the New Testament. This is found in 2 Corinthians, and it is found here in Revelation. He is the almighty. He has all power and all strength. But there's something that took place when these creatures started singing. And again, we notice that they never stopped. They never cease saying this day and night. And so it's very interesting. When, we, when John entered and we start observing the throne of heaven, he saw these things. He saw the flashes of light. All of a sudden now the thunder and the sounds. And all of a sudden this, his, his senses are growing. And then he hears this chorus. And when this chorus takes place, we see, and whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and praise to him seated upon the throne who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before the one seated upon the throne and worship the one living forever and ever. And they cast down their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are 
Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power since you were created, since you created all things, and because of you, your will, they existed and were created. Notice the emphasis on the one who lives forever and ever, the one living forever and ever. The one seated upon the throne as a kingdom whose kingship will never, ever end. And he is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because he created all things. He delighted to create all things because of your will. Some of your texts may read because of your desire. Some of your play, because of your pleasure, they existed and were created. I want to read this from a commentary from Palmer. It says this, We know that the Christian's faith in the God who has will for creation will produce an ethics that must care deeply about the earth, about harvests, about labor management relationships, about the care of animals, about the meaning of our sexual nature, about ecology, about prisoners, about widows, about unborn children, about neglected children, about all the details of being truly human. As a result of the first quarrel, we know that redemption, when it happens to us by the grace of God, will not remove us out of the 24-hour cycle within which we live our lives, but will forgive, enable, and offer compassion to us in the midst of the days and months and years that exist by the will of God. God's will, His awesome decision, is the beginning point for every other fact about life or living. So what? Why do we care that God's throne was revealed to us in this way? Why do we, why is this important that we hear the cry of these creatures and the elders singing this chorus. Well, first off, this is our king. This is the one who's in control right now. He is seated upon his throne right now. This is taking place in heaven right now. And I think you need to hear that especially with what's going on in this world around us. The king is in control, and he has all might, he has all power, and he has all authority, and he is in the business of fulfilling all the promises that he's ever made. That is the king who is upon the throne. The second thing I think you need to know, and the reason you need to know this, is that he created this world by his good pleasure for his will. He is the one 
that knows how it should perfectly function. He is the one who knows, who has taught us what marriage should look like, what raising children should look like, to being a good husband, to being a good wife, to being a good grandfather, a good grandmother, a good neighbor, a good worker, a good retired person, like you name it, and God is the one who can show and reveal to you what it is look like to what it looks like to worship Him in light of all of it. Because that's what we were made for. We're not in heaven. We're not part of that great chorus going on. But God made us that in every aspect, in every part of our life, we are to be worshipped. You know, my oldest son, Ethan, is studying electrical engineering. God didn't design Ethan to be an electrical engineer. He designed him to be a worshiper. And he gave him the gifts and the talents to use that electrical engineering for his glory. My next son, Elijah, he loves athletics, he loves working out. He loves encouraging other people to do the same. God didn't make Elijah to be a trainer or to be uh, someone who teaches people how to lift weights. He created Elijah to be a worshiper. And he gave him gifts and talents to use those things for his glory. My other daughter, Kath, my oldest daughter, Catherine, She's not sure what she wants to be yet. We've ranged from doctor in China to veterinarian to we'll see what God does. But he has given her these gifts and these passions to love animals and care for them all for the glory of God. Okay. My youngest daughter, Kira, we're pretty sure she's going to end up either being a cook or chef or or interior designer, because she, she just knows how things go together well, or she knows how things taste well, and she's always asking what's next or what's for dinner. God gave her those gifts and talents, not that being a chef would be the thing that she worships, but that rather she would use those things to worship God. In all of life, we are to understand that we have been created by the Almighty God, by His great pleasure and by His will, for the worship and the glory of Him. May I ask you one question? In light of everything going on in the world, school being canceled, service or large gatherings being canceled, People saying, don't gather in large gatherings. In light of all of these things, are you choosing to worship? Mm -hmm. Father God, thank you so much for this chance to share the word of God with my brothers and sisters in Christ, with this community, through this means. Lord, we God, we pray your name would be glorified in worship as we do so. And I pray that as we think and as folks read through this and, and hear this, they would be in awe of Jesus. There's so much 
here. There's so much going on in the throne room of heaven. And there's so much we don't understand what it all means. But it just demonstrates how amazing and powerful and almighty Jesus Christ is. And how all of scripture is fulfilled in him. And how we can be so confident in the Lord our God and choose him and choose to worship him every single day of our lives. Mm-hmm. Be with the body as we are apart from one another. In Jesus' name we pray. part of this uh, gospel is that we're all on the same playing field mm-hmm. and I need him as much as you do and so I think it's pretty special to get this this visual and whether whether John's attempt to explain what he saw was right and maybe we'll get there and say oh not, it doesn't look like crystal it looks like that I don't know something different but that's how he what he saw. We had this idea of how he saw it. Um, I think it's helpful that Jesus came to be the vis- visible image of the invisible God. That we that we do have a vision um, that we can hold to. So it's my prayer. I hope it's your prayer that we wouldn't lose that vision. And thanks for that encouragement, Scott. And so uh, the last two lines of this psalm is. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. As you try to fix our eyes on him, we'll sing this prayer. And maybe you want to back this one up and sing it three or four times until your heart uh, really means it. But let's let's pray this together in song.
fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray again, please keep us in these times. Unite this church in this, in this strange hour. Thanks that we are living stones. And that it's not a building, but it's us that make the house of God. <clears throat> Again, we're in awe of the mystery of all of this. We praise you that it's true. We trust you. We pray again for health and protection. And we praise you for um, people in this town who are willing to serve. We lift up doctors, nurses, first responders, everybody involved that is trying to help. We pray for wisdom from above, and we pray um, somehow that even though we're secluded from each other, you would let us be the avenue to true peace in you, Jesus. Whether it's just to the neighbor, to, uh, to, to our, our, our left and right, or somehow through the internet, but Peace, Jesus, not as the world gives. Show off your peace, please. We pray your glory would shine. We pray all of this 